children's church. Look, I only need one week off, and I actually remember to dismiss the children's to children's church. So children are dismissed to children's church, if you haven't been already. And please turn in your Bible to Ruth chapter 3. We're going to continue in this great book of Ruth. And my aim, as I said before, was to preach this book one chapter a week to only spend four weeks on it. Well, we are now spending five weeks on it since somebody just had to be a sissy and take a day off last week. But open up to Ruth where you'll see a story of redeeming love. You'll see how God is involved in our daily lives through the tragedies, through the hardships, and through the joys. God is always working in his sovereignty, in his sovereign control. He is always working. It's a story for people who can't imagine that anything great could ever come out of their ordinary lives. A story of life and death, feast and famine, love and loss, and lastly, love regained. Now, we started Ruth chapter 1 <coughs> just about a month ago, and hopefully you can remember that if you haven't seen it. Go back to that live stream and watch it. But we talked about a lot of tragedy. We talked about Naomi and her family having to move to Moab because of a great famine in the land. And, and as you've moved, maybe you've always thought it, if you move, oh, things will be better here. I'm going to get my life back on track here. I've got a new start. It was almost like New Year's Day where they want to make resolutions. Well, they moved to this new city or this new area, this new country. But what they ended up finding is it wasn't the solve all, the fix all, the cure to all their problems. In fact, they ended up having some tragic beginnings as they saw the famine not just continue over, over in Israel, but they, it continued in their lives as the move to Moab would end up leading to a death of Naomi's husband. And then you think that's bad enough, but then they have a death, another death. You see, her two sons end up dying as well after they married wives of Moabite descent, Orpah and Ruth. And Ruth is the story that we're following. And after this story, after, as this story continues, what we see is Naomi hears that the famine has ended. So she decides, I'm going to trek back to my home village, my hometown, my home area. And as she gets there, or as she's on her way, she decides, well, I should not require Ruth and Orpah, my daughter-in-laws, to follow me here. Because they're going to be out-of-towners. Now, in Bloomer... I know we welcome all out-of-towners with a smile, with love on our face, with a big, big hug. But here, she knew that they're not going to be treated the same. They would be foreigners. And Moabites were not generally loved like Bloomerites love all outsiders. But, so, so what Naomi did is she tells Orpah and Ruth, stay here. Stay here where you might have a future. You might be able to remarry. You might be able to have kids of your own. You at least have much better chances here where you have friends and where you have family and this is your countryside. Well, Orpah, she says no at first. And then she decides later on, okay, fine, I'll stay. And she ran off. But Ruth, she would stay by Naomi's side to the very end. And Ruth would take care of Naomi. And what we end up seeing later on is Naomi actually looks out for Ruth. And it's amazing to see this great transition in this story. In, in chapter 1, we see tragic beginnings lead to unexpected blessings as Ruth 
is an unexpected blessing to Naomi. But then what we end up seeing in chapter 2 is seeking the kindness of God, that God, ends, God starts to repay some of that kindness, some of that blessing to Ruth through Boaz. But then we end up seeing in chapter 3, what we're about to read, we, we end up seeing that they find a lot more than kindness. Finding rest through redemption. That's what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about finding rest through redemption. And even though it started, this whole story started in chapter 1 with Ruth looking out for Naomi and Ruth having a great faithfulness to follow Naomi, Naomi's going to take care of Ruth. Naomi's going to challenge Ruth. Naomi's going to mentor Ruth. Naomi's going to give Hey, I'm going to try this a couple weeks ago. I did, and it didn't work very well because of my microphone. Naomi's going to give Ruth a little kick out of the box, out of the house, and say, hey, you need to go here and do this. Now, a couple weeks ago when we preached on Ruth chapter 2, we talked about being a Boaz. Ruth and Naomi were seeking the kindness of God, and Boaz was that deliverer. Boaz would deliver kindness to Ruth. A, a Moabite woman, a, a foreign woman. And at the end, you guys all came up with these ideas of how do we show kindness? How can we be a Boaz? How can we be contagious Christians through showing people love in everyday lives? And, and I, I wrote a little note to show, share some examples. Last week in your bulletins, we actually wrote that whole list of answers we received. And some of them were great answers. But... There's many common ways and simple ways we can show kindness to other people. Some simple ones were like returning somebody's grocery cart for them. Or maybe just walking up to somebody and saying hello and asking how they're doing and actually caring to stick around for the answer. Have you ever noticed that or sometimes we're so fast-paced in our lives that we, we walk by somebody, we shake their hand, and we're saying, or maybe today's day and age, we're stopping the shake in their hand, and we're kicking their foot or bumping elbows or something because we're afraid of this coronavirus. But we're so fast to ask, how are you doing? But we're not fast to actually sit still. I know, ironic, fast, sit still. But just Listen. People need us to stop and listen. And I'm bad about that in my ADD, ADHD brain or whatever. I'm always thinking like two more steps ahead about where can I go, what can I do, what do I need to do today. I, my wife probably gets annoyed sometimes because it's always, what's, what's our plan for tonight? What do we have to do tonight? I'm always thinking about two steps, three steps, four steps, but sometimes we need to slow down and just think about the here and now. And how can we be there for people now? But enough about being a Boaz. Oh, I, I will share one funny one, which <clears throat> it, it may at first sound funny. It may at first sound like, oh, wow, who put that here? But this is a true statement, especially going into this year. One of the statements was, how are you going to show kindness to others? How are you going to be a Boaz? How are you going to show people love? And it said, I'm going to be kind to all people no matter what their political sides are. Whether they're a Republican, a Democrat, they're going to show kindness to both sides. And we can all learn from that. That's another way to be a Boaz, is to look past those differences, and we can still show love and care, and care for one another. 
We need to focus more on not making this president and the Air Force One look like our coming Savior, but recognize that our coming Savior has already come. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he is a redemptive Savior. So today we'll move from seeking the kindness of God to finding, but not just finding kindness. Ruth and Naomi will find rest, rest through redemption. And we too can find this rest through redemption. So let's read from Ruth chapter 3. And everybody should have a Bible open. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you. If you don't have one at home and you want one, see me. I will buy you a Bible. But you can also use your cell phone, your tablet. And if you don't have one open already, you can look at your neighbor. They'll share with you. Let's look to your Bible now. Ruth chapter 3. Ruth and Boaz at the threshing floor. We read this. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz a relative with whose young women you were? See, he is wintering barley at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself. Now, before we go too much further, let me just kind of set up the scene here. So, Ruth has been gleaning in the fields of Boaz now for quite some time. In fact, what we see is, is in chapter 2, Boaz had told her to stay for the entire harvest season. And now it's coming to the end of the harvest season. It hasn't just been one day in this story. You've got to look to some of the visual cues, some of the details here in this story, which show you that uh, I truly believe it might have been a month, might have been six weeks. Um, some pastors say it could have been a couple months. But there's been some time here. And now Naomi's seeing it's coming to the end of the harvest season. And Naomi, her mother-in-law, starts to decide, whoa, whoa, let's, let's take a step back here. Nothing has happened yet. You're still just playing this little game. You're still just gleaning every day. But you haven't gone and demanded or asked Boaz to be your redeemer yet. Boaz has noticed you. But he also has not come to you and asked to redeem you. You two are still just maybe playing this little game. And Naomi says, something's got to change. So Naomi, your mother-in-law, says to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you? Now, as we see that word rest in this specific context, what she's looking for is marriage. What she's looking for is a redeemer. Should I not seek this for you? Should I not take care of you how you have been taking care of me. Should I not be making sure that you're provided for? And let me remind you, this is something that is an amazing work of God to see that's even happening. Because in chapter 1, when Ruth decided to follow after Naomi, Naomi was telling her, there is no future for you with me. Stay here. You'll be a foreigner. Your chances of meeting somebody, of marrying somebody, of having future children are slim. She said, even if I was to have children today, would you truly wait for them to grow up to become your redeemer? But now we see that God has done something miraculous. And all through this gleaning process, we have a redeemer right in front of Ruth. But Ruth is not doing anything about it. So let's get back here in the story here. She says, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you? Should I not... Should I not make sure that everything is well with you? 
Should I not make sure that you're taking care of yourself and providing for yourself and looking to this? And she's going to tell Ruth to do four things. And I truly believe all four things here are things as a sinner that we need to do as well with our life. Let, let me read these back to the scripture. Look in front of you. Is not Boaz a relative? And by relative, she's saying, hey, is this not a redeemer? Well, it's time to recognize him as such. It's time to let's, let's do something about this. So she says, he is wintering barley tonight at the threshing floor. One, four things. One, wash therefore, wash yourself. We all, too, need to wash ourselves of our sinful lives. Wash ourselves and be washed clean, white as snow, by the blood of Christ. But she needs to wash herself. And number two, she needs to anoint herself. Number three, she needs to put on her cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But number four, when he lies down, observe the place where he lies... And then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Now, can we just recognize for a moment that this is very strange stuff to us? I mean, why is Naomi, her mother-in-law, telling her to make herself all pretty, anoint herself, wash herself? Okay, well, first of all, some of this is a little common sense. You have to understand the context of what she's been doing. She's been working the field all day. She's probably muddy. She's probably dirty. She was probably stinky of sweat. So Naomi's telling herself, telling Ruth, you need to go wash. Clean yourself up. Anoint yourself with perfume. Make yourself smell good. Put on some fresh, good clothes. And then... She's going to give her some great detail about something very strange in our customs, in our, our ordinary lives. But you need to go lay at his feet. Now, don't miss some of these details, though. You see, there's some pastors or some commentaries or some people who talk about, and I, I at first would have agreed, that this is one of the most confusing scriptures in the entire Bible. Chapter 3 of Ruth is one of those things that many pastors say, this is why I don't like to preach verse by verse through the Bible, because sometimes you just come upon these really weird things, maybe even questionable content. I mean, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, is telling her, go get yourself all pretty, watch this man, and wait for him to be all feasted up, his hunger satisfied at the feast, all drank and merry, and then watch where he lies down and go lay at his feet, uncover his feet. And some pastors, some commentators would say, this is weird stuff. This is, I mean, is, is Naomi actually telling Ruth to get all pretty and go seduce him? Is that the point here? And I don't believe that's so at all. We could spend a lot of time looking that direction. It, I mean, it would be really easy to look to this story and think, wow, what happened here? But I truly believe you need to look to the whole context of the story and see that Boaz was a worthy man of God. And Ruth and Naomi were women of integrity, women of character. 
In fact, Ruth is often compared as the woman, the woman of Proverbs 31, a woman of great faith, a woman of great integrity, a woman of great character. This did not have any type of sexual connotation. It wasn't to seduce Boaz in that way. What it was was to scream at Boaz and say, and, and this is what I believe, I believe Ruth has still been dressing the part and acting the part of a grieving, mourning widow. And all this time in the fields, she's not going after men. She's not looking available. So Naomi is now telling Ruth, here's a redeemer. Here's somebody who can provide a future for you. Here's somebody that can provide rest for you. As a redeemer, he can be that relative who you can marry and who can provide redemption for you to give you children, to give you land, to give you property, everything she had lost when her husband died. But you need to now move on. You need to dress the part as a woman that is available and is ready. So as she goes to this floor, the threshing floor, it says, Do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Don't interfere with all the feast stuff. Don't be seen there. Don't be looking like you're taking advantage of a situation. You see, law, Israelite law actually says she had every right to go to him in a public place, even to demand he go to the court and seek legal matters, she could actually go to him and, and say, I demand that you redeem me because you are a relative, a kinsman redeemer. But she's not going to do that. She's going to go to him personally at night on her own when he's alone to ask respectfully, to ask nicely. And it says in verse 4, but when he lies down, observe the place where he lies down. Wouldn't it be pretty bad if she wasn't observing the place where he lies down and she, she walked up to the wrong man? She uncovered the feet of the wrong man? I mean, you see Boaz's response after he wakes up, after he's stirred from the cold night air blowing across feet, and he says, Whoa, who is this woman at my feet? Um, can you imagine if she was at the wrong person? How embarrassing. This would have already taken a lot of courage. But she says, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say I will do. Here's, here's just one little comment of recommendation for us. When a mentor, when somebody of integrity, when somebody we respect and we have faith in and we trust tells us some good advice, Maybe even questionable advice here, but she could see the motives were clear, the goal were clear and good. Do we listen in a way that we say, all that you say I will do? When God tells us what to do with our lives, which a lot of God's will is clear in his Bible, and yet we're always saying, what is the will of God? I just wish I knew God's will for my life. God has already told you his will. It's in his good book, the holy inspired word of God. But are we willing to say, all that you say I will do? Or are we too busy trying to add, well, I'll do what you say, what I shall do. I'll do it if I can add this in, if I can add this in. A little bit about living with people before marriage. A little bit of drunkenness. A little bit of wine is okay for the heart, for the soul. As long as I add all these things in, Lord, I'm yours. I'll do what you say I can do. 
Or do we just do what God tells us to do? That's what we should do. Well, listen, verse 6. I know we need to get just reading through this, but it says, So she went down to the threshing floor, and she did just as her mother-in-law had, had commanded her. Sometimes we, we think we're doing what people tell us to do, good advice, but as we try to add our own little things in, Things don't go right, and then we want to blame them when really we need to look to ourselves and see we have not done as, as we were instructed. But she did as she was instructed. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the feet, sorry, at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman at his feet, exclamation mark, in the ESV translation at least. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Now let's just recognize that point for a moment as he turns over and he asks, who are you? He knew who Ruth was. He did. He had been working alongside this woman, seeing her glean all harvest season. He knew who Ruth was. But I think two things happen here. In fact, you, you could say even he's had his eye on her. He's investigated her to even, as we see later, to know that there's a closer redeemer than him. He's looked into it. He's done his research. So he knew who Ruth was. But one, he's startled here. Who are you? Whoa, why are my feet uncovered? Why is there a woman laying at my feet? Again, strange customs, strange things. We recognize this. But who are you as he sees a woman who all this harvest season has not been going after men? She's been just focusing on working and working hard. And all of a sudden, there's like a different woman in front of him. A woman who is now washed and clean and anointed with perfume and wearing nice clothing. And he says... Whoa, who is this woman laying at my feet? And she says, she answers, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Now, spreading your wings is talking about his garment, talking about his cloak. And she's saying to spread the edge of his cloak over her. But there's more meaning to this as you look back to chapter 2. And Boaz actually prayed for Ruth to be blessed by God. He actually prayed for Ruth to be covered by the wings of God and by Israel and for her to be blessed for her character and her caring and her pursuit and faithfulness of Naomi. So Ruth is now asking Boaz to do something. What this is talking about is marriage, to be her redeemer, to provide for her, to care for her in the same way that he prayed for her to be taken care of in chapter 2. Ruth is now asking Boaz to be that redeemer and do what he prayed for to, be, to happen to her. Let's read on. It says in verse 10, well, verse 9 repeating, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. 
I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Again, as I mentioned earlier, he had done his research. He already knew there was a closer redeemer. But he says, remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you good, let him do it. But, and listen to this, he says, if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Isn't that a powerful statement? As he just says, as the Lord lives. I mean, talk about a guarantee. Talk about a promise. Talk about a cross your heart, hope to die, give, cross, give a pinky swear, whatever. I mean, talk about a more holy way to make a promise. As the Lord lives. <clears throat> Even here, it shows us how he was a worthy man of God. Excuse me. Boaz was a worthy man of God and says, as the Lord lives, that's a promise. I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Even here, he was still looking out for Ruth's safety. Jittus chapter 2, he said, I have instructed my servants not to touch you. Even here, he's saying, stay here until morning. Not just because she needed to rest or she needed to lie there. I mean, she probably didn't sleep all night. But, (coughs) excuse me, he knew that this was a dangerous place at night. And even more now, as she's all prettied up, washed, anointed, smelling good, he wanted to make sure she was kept safe. Now, one commentator also said it could be because there are other redeemers in the area as he had done his research, and he didn't want anybody else to see her at this point. He wanted to take care of the matter himself. He wanted to go directly to the Redeemer himself and ask him if he wanted this opportunity. So he told her, lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it be known, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. Now, a couple reasons why he may not wanted anybody to know about this. One, as I said, he wanted to go to the other redeemer directly himself. He didn't want any rumors started also. He knew that this already took a great level of courage and humility for her to come humbly to his feet like that. He didn't want any rumors to start. This threshing floor was also a very common place for harlots, for prostitutes to go at nighttime. And she, she wanted to protect her character, her integrity, her reputation. So she held out her cloak, her garment, and he measured out six measures of barley. And guys, I think this is so much barley... that he actually had to put it on her. He had to help her get it on her. That's how much barley that he gave her. Estimates say 60, 70, 80 pounds. Some people say that the wording they used could have actually been a couple hundred pounds, which it doesn't make sense in the context of how could she have carried that home herself. So they actually diminish it to say it might have been more like 60 or 70 pounds. But he gave her such a blessing of so much barley that... He needed to help put it on her. 
And then it continues where it says, Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare my daughter? Um, she's saying, and in one translation it says, Who are you? It says, Is this my daughter? Because she's noticing something has changed. I mean, it's obvious. How did you fare my daughter? Hey, what did he say? I mean, she's looking for the obvious answer. <coughs> what did he say, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. It's almost like that wedding ring. It's almost like that promise. It's almost like a visual sign of this covenant of him saying, <coughs> Rest, I will take care of you. It's a precursor of what is to come in his provision for her. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For this man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Wow. We read a lot there. Like I said, some pastors would say this is why they don't like reading verse by verse and doing whole chapters because they like skipping over these meat, these big sections. And we could spend so much time looking to this. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> but I love reading this. I love reading this because there's so much meaning behind these words. There's so much description behind these words. And as hard as this is to read and maybe even understand because it's just a little weird to us. I mean, we think of our first date with our wives, with our girlfriends. Or maybe you, you foresee and you look to the future, kids, and what would my first date look like? We don't envision ourselves and we don't recommend for anybody to go to a man in the middle of the night and uncover his feet. It's strange stuff. But we see so much of God seen here in how even in this strange stuff, they are protected. And we see a godly man and a worthy woman of integrity still staying pure with God. We see God working in even this. We see a man who looks for the best <clears throat> well-being of Ruth and Naomi and says, I will provide for you. And in the end, we see that he will provide the rest they seek. We see three things in Ruth chapter 3. Number one, we see Naomi's plan a plan of questionable content, but of good motive and goals. We see Naomi's plan, number one. We see, number two, a whispered conversation. And this is a conversation between Boaz and Ruth. But then we see, number three, that we have a promise. A promise of rest, which will lead to us seeing two ways that we find rest through this story. Even in all these strange customs, strange things, we can find a lot. Here's one thing we learn. We learn, we see that Ruth and Naomi will find rest through Boaz. They find rest through redemption, and so can we. You see, rest is essential for all human life. <clears throat> rest is essential, and we all need different amounts of rest. Some would say you need 13 hours of rest. Some would say you can operate on seven hours of rest. I've seen where some millionaires say why they're successful is because they can find the rest they need in 
five hours of rest and it gives them extra time to focus on their skill, to focus on their business, whatever it is. But the fact remains, we all need rest. We're not creatures of infinite capacity. We cannot live by just striving alone. And it's clear from both the Old and New Testaments that rest is part of God's good intentions for us. And here, in Ruth chapter 3, rest is the central theme. In the very beginning of Ruth 3, Naomi says to Ruth, Should I not seek rest for you? That's the whole point. That's the whole theme here is Ruth is trying to find rest. Naomi's trying to tell her how to find rest. And in this case, in the form of redemption. But in the end, it begins with rest. It ends with rest. This man will not rest, but will settle the matter today to bring rest to their lives. To their lives. The promise of rest in this chapter is a gift of God. But it took humility. You see, to find rest, we must sometimes place ourselves in positions of great humility. We must humble ourselves and recognize we can't create our own rest. Because all we want to do is work. Ruth came before Boaz, her redeemer. And it was a very humbling act as she laid down at his feet. Married men, you don't normally lay down at the feet in your bed. You lay down next to your wife as equals. Um, But here Ruth lays down humbly at his feet to find rest. We need to lay down at the feet of God to find rest. We need to recognize that we need to be humbled and not so prideful. We need to recognize that we can't handle everything ourselves. We need to claim a redeemer. We need to claim a redeemer, just like Ruth. For this situation, it could be dangerous for Ruth physically. It could be dangerous for her emotionally. It could be dangerous for her character. But she was seeking a worthy man, a redeemer. And we seek a worthy redeemer as well. And he will care for us better than anything we could imagine. All four steps that we look to that Naomi told Ruth to do, we should do too. We should wash ourselves clean by the blood of Christ. We should anoint ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Accept that anointing, that empowering. Use that empowering. Number three. Look at that. I'm losing my train of thought. Number three, we should put on the robe of righteousness. So just as she closed herself with the appropriate clothes, we need to close ourselves with the appropriate clothing as well. Put on the righteousness of God. Be like him. Be like Christ. And number four, claim our Redeemer. That's what she was doing this whole scene. She went to claim her Redeemer. And I ask you, have we truly claimed our Redeemer? Have you truly claimed him and recognized all that he can provide for you? Do you say that you trust God to bring you into his heaven, but you don't truly live as if you trust him in your daily lives to bring you rest? How can we trust this God to bring us into heaven when we don't trust him for our daily needs? 
Believing in God's sovereignty provides hope and confidence to move forward through life. God is in control, and we need to believe in his sovereignty, his redemption, in a way which we recognize that he provides all the hope and confidence that we need to move forward from each day to each day to each day. He will bring the rest to your life that you need. He brings you rest. Ask him to place the edge of his cloak, his wings, over you. Just as Ruth asked Boaz, her redeemer, to do so. Hope in God, for Christ comes for us poor sinners, ordinary people, just like Ruth, so that we might have extraordinary lives. Not because of what we're doing, but because of what he does. God does the work for us so that we can rest. He is, Christ is, our Redeemer. So here's the ending, the closing. I have a summary, and I have two points for us to find rest. Two ways. The summary is this. You see, this chapter starts with Ruth and Naomi seeking to find rest. And it ends with them receiving the promise of rest. In fact, so much rest that they... They receive all this barley. I mean, he's saying, hey, don't even worry about working the next day. I just want you to rest in knowing I'm going to do what I told you to do. Ruth boldly approaches Boaz on the threshing floor and asks for a redemption. Boaz sends Ruth back from the threshing floor with an abundance of barley, indicating his intention to act towards her redemption and provide for them. Here's a quote I found in my studies I loved. It says, Godly women encourage godly men to step up. Godly men treat women with respect and care and provide for them. Isn't that powerful? Godly women encourage godly men to step up. Men, we need to step up. But women, you need to demand that we step up. You need to convict us and challenge us and encourage us to step up. Because men, we can also be too lazy. I think we can all admit that we can be that, or maybe we're not lazy. Maybe you, that insults you because you think, man, I'm always working outside. I'm always chopping wood. I'm always working in my basement, whatever. Yeah, we can be driven, but sometimes we're driven to do the things that don't truly matter for all of eternity. Godly women encourage godly men to step up. Godly men treat women with respect and care. And here we see a love that is godly which is a love that protects, provides, and inspires. You know, you almost feel sorry for this guy, Boaz, don't you? I mean, he wakes up in the middle of the night, finds a woman laying at his feet demanding marriage. That's a shocker. But at the same time, look to his response to her. Number one, he blesses her and interprets her interest in him. And secondly, he tells her he will do all that she asks of him. Her heart must have been leaping for joy. But I really think his heart was also leaping for joy. Because he had already done his research. Ruth and Naomi will find a guarantee of rest. As Boaz says, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. What a promise, guys. What a promise that we can learn from in our life. As the Lord lives. Can we make promises like that? But here it is. Two ways we can apply this chapter to our lives to also find rest. Number one, 
initiative. Take initiative. Take initiative. Ruth and Naomi saw an opportunity. Or rather, they saw an opportunity which was open in getting ready to close. And Naomi took initiative in telling Ruth what to do now. We need to take initiative in the now. And maybe you see an opportunity, you need to seize the opportunity. Or maybe you think, I don't need this opportunity. Well, then maybe you need to be like Naomi, looking to your friend's life, looking to your family life, looking to a stranger's life, and help them to see the opportunity and take initiative, especially when it comes to washing, cleaning, putting on a robe of righteousness, and claiming a redeemer. There's people in all of our lives that need to take initiative. Are you willing to take a risk for redemption? They were bold, weren't they? This was a bold risk, but it was for redemption. And we, we don't, we're not bold enough with our redemption. I love that song Brian was singing, Let the Redeemed Say So, because it's It's a challenge to us, the redeemed. What are we saying with our lives? What are we saying with our actions? But if people are ever to arrive at the rest they are seeking, they must also know when to stop striving and begin waiting. And that's where we move into number two. You see, waiting on the Lord leaves the outcome of your request to the hands of another. We need to, number two, trust God and wait on God. So we take initiative, just like Ruth and Naomi took initiative. But then after we take initiative and pursue God, claim this Redeemer, we need to trust Him. We need to trust Him. Rest in the way the Bible speaks of how we can trust in God. We need to make sure we place our trust in the right source. The Lord blesses those who seek Him. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. And His promise to them is rest, but not just from poverty social isolation, but from spiritual emptiness, alienation from God and hopelessness in the world filled with problems. God will provide rest to all those who seek him. Only two things are needed for a quest for this rest to be successful then. Seek it and believe it. Take initiative, trust God. Seek him and believe him. And Jesus summed it up perfectly in his challenge to ask, seek, and knock in Matthew 7, 7. And in his promise, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, listen to this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We can seek and find many things without believing the promise of God. But we'll never find this rest, this wellness, this wholeness by searching elsewhere or by human initiative alone. We need to take initiative, seek him, and trust him, believe him. True rest is found only by placing your hope in him. Take initiative, come to him, trust him, and find rest. That's what we see in this chapter. We see Ruth seeking a redeemer, and then trusting that he will provide rest. Are we doing those things with our life? Are you seeking God in a way which you then trust that God is going to provide you the rest that you need? 
Or are we still trying so hard to provide our own rest in a way which we will never provide rest because we're doing the exact opposite of what we need to do, and that's trusting in him. Let's close in prayer and we'll have a final song. Please bow your heads. Lord, we thank you for this story. And it, it, it kind of makes me cringe to think so many people skip over these stories just because maybe they don't understand at first or they don't, they don't get it or because it scares them. But Lord, you have meaning and purpose behind every word in this holy inspired word that you've given us. And we need to look to it. Even when it hurts, even when it's odd or it takes time to really study, we need to look to it all and hear I am blessed, and I think we all are blessed to see this story between Ruth and Boaz. The story of a worthy man and a woman full of integrity and faithfulness, and to see how she found rest through a Redeemer. Lord, may we find rest through a Redeemer too, but not a Redeemer being our husband or our wife, our spouse, a friend, who will ultimately let us down time and time again. But may we find rest in knowing we have a Redeemer who died for us on the cross. A Redeemer who came back to life and was victorious over our sins, victorious over, our, over death, and continues to live for us every single day. May we seek you and may we trust you. Amen. Well, let's stand. Let's sing one more song to God. Here I am to worship.